Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. I am one of your hosts, Summer Willow. This is Hip Hop is Higher Education, the podcast. Like, share, subscribe to all of our social media and podcasting platforms. They will be listed below. And I am, of course, here with my beautiful co-host. Uh, hello, how are y'all doing? I'm Stephanie Ray of Aspire to Hire and co-host of Hip Hop is Higher Ed podcast. Absolutely. So it's time. It's time for this show to jump off. You've seen the promo. This is a serious conversation that I'm sure will, will be shared throughout the cosmos. So let's just jump right into it, Steph. So check it. For this episode, we are gathered here for an inquisition. Yes, you heard me right. I said an inquisition of hip hop. Hmm. For any listeners or subscribers who aren't familiar, an inquisition is a prolonged period of intensive questioning. It's an investigation. The origins, in fact, of the inquisition are from the Roman Catholic Church. Inquisitions were used to practice um, combating heresy, which basically in layman's terms, y'all, these folks back in the day used to uh, call out and combat blasphemy. They were looking for the blasphemers and they used inquisitions in a very formal way to drive out blasphemers from the church. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, this is an inquisition of hip hop and an inquisition is definitely a formal investigative process, which is taken very seriously. And on this show, we are serious about safeguarding hip hop culture and informing our community about its educational power and value. So today, with two very special guests in this episode, we seek to examine different periods of hip-hop. Together, we will walk through somewhat of a cyclical hip-hop timeline and seriously investigate hip-hop from its origins in rap battles, through periods of dabbling in respectability politics, reality TV, and the juxtaposition of all of that um, to revolutionary resistance. So let's get it popping. Absolutely. So the title of this episode is From Rap Battles and Respectability Politics to Reality TV and Revolutionary Resistance. So for all the listeners out there, we want to put this into perspective and, and give a little bit of context. <clears throat> but let's talk about really quickly rap battles. Let's talk about rap battles, okay? And this is the idea of face-to-face showmanship, allowing the crowd to decide the skill level. Um, this is a confidence builder. This is the confidence to freestyle, recite rhymes without a reference. Um, some might consider this hip-hop in its purest form and where rap uh, originated. So that is the context for rap battles as we discussed them. Um, when we talk about respectability politics, it's usually a negative term. Respectability politics is a philosophy based on the premise that if we emulate those who have oppressed, stolen from, and abused people of color, we'll be welcome into the dominant culture. Um, people also associate assimilation and code switching with respectability politics, whereas uh, one might avoid certain behaviors that were historically deemed immoral or stereotypical, okay? 
Um, reality TV, reality TV. So Hollywood went hip hop and hip hop went Hollywood. Okay. All the way Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so the jump off was BDP's Miss Heather Gardner, known to all as Heather B. Heather B. Heather B. Who was a regular cast member of the inaugural Real World Session. Okay. The most realest, really the most show. realest. Right, right. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> evolving from there, arguably uh, being influenced by shows like Cribs and BET spin on MTV Cribs, which was Excess Granite, um, College Hill and Baldwin Hills, and through all the adaptations of the Love and Hip Hop series. So that's what we're thinking of <clears throat> when we're talking about the reality TV era. And then finally, when we're talking about revolutionary resistance, the war on black America <clears throat> and subsequently hip hop is real. Okay, that war is real. And historically the black community, specifically hip hop, um, the hip hop culture has been at war in response to the resistance to white supremacy. Okay, so this is gonna be an amazing conversation. So let's yes, sir. sit back and prepare our minds with all of that information I just threw on you like that. And let's talk about these amazing folks that we have on the line. And let's I'll get into these guests. Start since I'm already yapping. How about that? <laughs> so our first guest, um, if you're watching, is the beautiful, the intelligent Queen Jo. Hey, you see that wave? So cute, so <laughs> right, <laughs> Miss Black America. How you doing? So Queen Jo is a lyrical firebrand whose artistry is amplified by her role as a house MC for DJ Matthew Laws at the F party. If you're from Philly and the surrounding damn freaking world, you know who the F and F party uh, belongs to. So Cleopatra's Rapture marked Queen Joe's 2014 debut. She was crowned Philadelphia's best new artist of the year. Queen Joe played her first major gig at the Firefly. Oh my gosh, the Firefly Music Festival. Wow. Don't talk about it. The same year. <laughs> um, after defund the defunding of Planned Parenthood in 2017. Now this is where um, this gets deep for me. So after the defunding of Planned Parenthood in 2017, Queen Joe collaborated with several local artists to create and perform at uh, an event called Pussy Claps Back, an annual fundraising benefit show that supports young girls' health and arts initiatives. In 2018, Queen Joe was featured on OK Player, uh, a great feat, after opening for Jungle Pussy. If you don't know who they are, that's your problem. Um, WXPN dubbed her a little bit of boom bap, a little bit of house, and a whole lot of sexual liberation. Mm. Um, yes. Collaborating with her director, Amelia uh, Whiting. I hope I said that right. Queen Joe released a documentary tackling the issues of hip hop and feminism in a short documentary entitled Holla Back, which won Best Short Film at the Women in Hollywood Film Festival in 2019 and a feature in the New York Hip Hop Film Festival in 2019. Now she released Broad Street Bella, one of my favorite joints that same year, Get It, Pick It Up Now. And mm -hmm. Queen Joe has performed with Ursula Rucker, Planet Booty, The Skins, Lion Babe. Queen Joe is a 2020 alum of Black Thought's Hip Hop Masterclass, mm -hmm. which culminated in a performance at New York City's famed Carnegie Hall. 
you know, this woman is everything. She's everything. And if, if not anything else, she's also, she's also included in the 2021 appointment to serve as co-chair of mm. Philadelphia's Arts and Culture Task Force and committee chair of the Youth and Arts subset. Okay, that's a lot. But, she, but she's going to do a whole lot more. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Queen Joe. Let's go. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like that was like, you know how like they they, they talk of a fighter before the fighter comes and yes. walk down and music. I was like, oh, I, who are this person? They sound decent. Wait a minute, hold on. That's a good show idea. Let me write that down. I know, right? I have to play some theme music next I time. Like, I was, you know, walking down. That was That's what's cool. up. Like yes, all deserved. All right. In the next corner, to keep with Sierra's um, <laughs> thematic reference, <laughs> I am introducing the world because, you know, our followership is big, right? No. Um, I'm introducing our listeners and subscribers to Eternal, the MC, who I um, affectionately call Shad. Born and raised in Clinton Hills, Brooklyn, New York, Eshad Howard, or as we might call him tonight, Eternal DMC, knew he had a message to deliver to the world. He began to really work on his craft while studying psychology at Shaw University right here in Raleigh, North Kakalaki. Um, his industry influences include both local and national hip-hop artists like Rakim, Jay-Z, Biggie, Yasin Bey, or um, most mostly known as Most Def, and national um, hip-hop artists like Jeezy, also Sky Zoo, and Kendrick Lamar. He proclaims himself eternal because he wants to live forever through his body of work. He aspires to make music to cause conversation and touch people's souls. Eternal has been quoted, I want my music to be able to invoke change for the better. I want my music to connect to the greatness in everyone. Hence, his connection to the show, Hip Hop is Higher Ed. We share values um, in the same. Throughout his 10 plus years of experience, Eternal has toured with Justice League co-founder Cesar Comanche. Am I saying that right? Cesar Comanche. Uh, Cesar Comanche. Cesar Comanche. He's curated his own tour, performed alongside Casual of the Hieroglyphics and Staley, formerly of Maybach Music Group, and Adding scholar to his repertoire, he has lectured at North Carolina State University, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and the Raleigh Boys and Girls Club of Durham. But beyond the MC, his artistry still continues. He has produced a documentary called Eternal Visions, exploring the many layers of Eternal the MC as a man, an MC, a father, and an educator. And more recently, Eternal was featured as the artist in residence with Carolina's Performing Arts right here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and debuted his visual hip hop production experience titled, How Can We Explain This? This live stage production, it gave people a powerful, candid view of the emotions and conversations directly correlated with the plight of BIPOC in America. That production also bridged the gap between minds that may not understand that predicament and those that process this reality on a daily basis. Ladies and gentlemen, first of all, let me also say Ishai, or I call him affectionately Shai, is also just a, a lover of hip hop. 
as we all are on this, this show today. He is a people person. He has a big heart. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Eternal, the MC. Oh, man. <laughs> that was incredible right here, man. Yes, you know, let's get into this. Yes. I'm just happy to be here with, you know, yeah, well-established queens. It's going to be a dope conversation. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot. Yes, Thank you for being here. Thank you both for being here. Absolutely. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. So Queen Joe and Eternal, this is how we'll begin this inquisition. We're going to dissect one period at a time. And knowing that all these periods may have their own origination point, these behaviors have been overlapping, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there will be a time where we're talking about all of this at once. Um, as we discuss each period, we want you to tell the listeners about your positions, okay, your perspectives and approaches to hip hop as both of you are fire MCs, we know that, and active members of your community. So we want you to state your position about the period of time. So the first period of time we're gonna talk about, we're gonna start with rap battles, okay? And a quick review is the idea of face-to-face -face showmanship, allowing the crowd to decide your skill level, confidence to freestyle, recite your rhymes without a reference. What stood out, who or what stood out to you from hip hop's days of pure rap battles? And what's your position on that period? Queen Joe, we gonna start with you. So uh, let's just say that, okay, so I have two different perspectives, right? I have like the larger perspective of what people are familiar with, and then I have the local perspective of what that looks like, right? So in the larger perspective, right, the, the biggest hip hop battle of my childhood was Biggie versus Tupac. But from my father's, but from my father who was a big, LL Cool J fan, right? It it actually, you know, started before that, yeah. right? And, and LL Cool J has battled a lot of people. I laugh about the, the cannabis battle all the time. Um, so uh, when I, I, I love the idea of, of battles. I think rap, like any other art or sport can be competitive. I think that, you know, iron sharpens iron. To me, in a general sense, uh, battle rapping is phenomenal, right? It's, I, I love it. I love the showmanship. And I, but I think that I didn't fall in love with it until I started to go to local ba battles in Philly. And like, we used to watch this uh, DVD called Too Raw for the Streets, right? And Stop, so, the star. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So like, and, and uh, that, show me that number one having a sense of humor gets you everywhere um no you know playing the dozens is uh, a thing passed down you know from generation to generation and now we just add rhymes to it i love yeah. it i think that mm -hmm. is I, I i love that i also love the parts where um maybe you have a tagline and your team is saying the tagline at the same time as you to make it harder i love that um but i also want to say that for me personally, watching those DVDs and just being around those guys actually introduced me to some of my first, what I would consider to be hardcore lyricist women, right? Because prior to that, 
you know, I'm listening to, you know, obviously, you know, for me, it started with Queen Latifah, mm -hmm. you know, then you get to, you know, Lil' Kim at some point. But like, these girls are like, round the way Philly gutter girls. Like, you know, we talking like Nina Ross, like it's getting, yeah. it's getting wild. And, um, and yeah, I love battles. What I will say though, is coming up, I always thought that rap, battles were legit freestyle, like freestyle, freestyle. Now it seems like people showing up with written mm -hmm. and that part. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm cool with the first, look, I'm cool with the first, you know, the first verse being a written, I get it. Y'all don't really know each other like that. You mm -hmm. testing each other out. You want to test out the material because you researched this person. I'm cool. But once you get to like the third battle of the same, y'all got a freestyle at some point. I think that's mm -hmm. what I ended up seeing with uh, Remy Ma, Lady Luck. Yes. You know, for a little bit. And then by the time they got to the end, it was like, what? Whoa! I gotta. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a just rhyme what what's going on in front of us right now because that's really good material and I think that's what makes a really good um, battle rapper compared to you know what I mean any other kind of rappers because I think that there there are you know there's battle rappers who can't make songs there are songwriters who can't battle rap absolutely you know, um, but I think that's what makes people a a good uh, battle rapper. So Love I'm, it. That's my that's my stance. Sierra, right. we'll come back to you. Take a sip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eternal, you're up. Well, um, I feel like we owe a lot to battle rap. I feel like battle rap um, is one of the unknown pillars of hip-hop. You know, mm. you think about even going back to the origins of hip-hop, like, you know, back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was wars in the street, you know, and uh, what most proclaim as the the origin place of hip-hop new york city there was mad gangs out there you think about right. the movie the warriors that was based on real mm -hmm. real facts real mm -hmm. actual live events like everybody right. walking around they different set on right. they on they back you know so when they can they're like all right let's you know dj cool hurt shout out to the legend it's like yo let's have a, a healthy medium to get out of this bullshit oppression we going through mm. you know it came to i right, having fun and then even if we battle, we're going to battle in a, a productive way where we can still, you know, get our braggiosho off and right. still live to see right. another day, you know? So I, I love battle rap. I love it. I feel like, you know, it's necessary for a, a true MC to have in their arsenal, being able to just go at a whim and go at anybody that tries to stop you. You know, you think about, especially nowadays, being in the arts is real tough to get your, your plight off and and make this a lucrative, you know, a profession. So mm -hmm. when it comes to somebody trying to settle to get yours, right? Yes. So yes. why not have that in your arsenal when you're an artist? You know, when I think of battle raps, I think about just being back on the block, back home in, in New York City and, you know, just going and copping the the smack DVDs from the bootleggers, you know what I mean? <laughs> Going home and watching uh, Loaded Lux, right? And the, the, the crucifix of it, you know what I'm saying? And um, who else? Murder Mook. And, and I still, I'm still a fan of the Ultimate Rap League to this day. I still watch it. I actually got a cousin that, you know, battles in the URL from time to time. So every time I go home, it's like, it's, it's part of me, you know? It's like, 
He'd be like, hey, yo, you know what I mean? I might jump into a battle at any, any moment, you know what That's I mean? I gotta be ready. So um, when it comes to battle rap, I don't think it gets enough credit. Um, I am going to agree with, with Queen Joe when she says, you know, I prefer the freestyle portion of battle rap, but I understand why they make it more theatrical nowadays because there's big money involved. You know, when the industry get involved, things change mm, for better right. or worse. Yes. But uh, I prefer... I prefer to like, yo, I never met you. I don't know you from a can of paint, but I'm about to break you down. But and I'm about you, to eat right <laughs> Everything around me to break you down. You know what I mean? On some Thanos shit. So, yeah. I want to stay rap. here. You, 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 you got me thinking about something. So I want, I want to uh, stay you, here for a you, second. You, you, you. you. <laughs> so listen, I'm thinking about uh, an interview that I did with um, Nejma Nefertiti. Shout out to Nejma. Um, and she started out as a battle rapper and she was talking about the dynamic of women in the battle rap scene and how, you know, she was good at it and everything. She was really great at it. Um, however, she started to pick up on, um, just the way that they would pit women against each other mm. and how, you know, because we all know those 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 battles get violent. I know y'all remember the styling on cats a rap battle, but those yeah. those rap battles get violent, right? So then you have women who you know have a vocabulary and can step in the ring with the same type of raps, right? It's not about the femcy. That's why I specifically did not call you that because I will never. Um, but they came to the stage with their with their best lyrics and they're like really going at each other's necks. And Nashma said she had to get out of the ring because she really didn't feel good about herself as a woman. Talking mm, negatively right. about other women. And then guys would come in, you know, if the woman went to the next round and calling all kinds of bees and hoes and tricks and all. And then she was just like, I can't. You know, I just, I just can't do it. And then even to the styling on cats um, example where you know, the guy was just getting a little bit too, too close to his face and they had some other beef and he caught some hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's been so many funny-ass memes that have been made from that rap battle. But I want to talk right. about the idea of the rap battle definitely being a pillar to your to your point, um, Ishad. Like, it's definitely a pillar of the art of rap. Yes. But let's talk about before the industry... Because we know now that the industry is involved, it's money involved. People going to say your mom is a this and you, you know, like they're going to do whatever. But like, yeah, how do you feel about the violence and the and the idea that it could be a separating agent? Mm. Mm. Well, I feel like, you know, the violence, the violence is a part of human nature, you know? And of course, it's going to, it's going to infiltrate battle rap because the aggression is kind of the catalyst when it comes to battle rap. You know, nobody want to see a, a compliment battle rap. You know what I'm saying? People want to see a coliseum type battle rap where people ripping their face off through words and bars and, 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 and stories and anecdotes, you know? So that level could come out where people, if they're not headstrong, if they're not going into the battle thinking like, yo, I know what's coming. You know what I'm saying? I know it's going to get dirty. You know, then it could come to a point where, you know, the violence is enacted upon, you know, whether there's money involved or not. So I'm like, 
the way I see it is, okay, you know what you're signing up for. Just like if you sign up to be a police officer, for example, you know what you're signing up for, especially in this climate today. So if you don't want to do that, then don't be a police officer or don't battle rap, right? If you don't want to get down and dirty, if it comes to that, then don't don't jump in the ring, you know? So, like, I feel like, hey, battle rap is battle rap. You know, we even get to the point where where fans are like, yo, listen, I don't like all this cookie cutter shit. You know what I mean? I'm going to go find the real raw. You know what I mean? Even if I got to go to the block where it's at, you know, I'm going to find that. I don't, you know, this is cool. You know, I know you're getting big money checks and everything like that. But I remember when you was on the block eating hamburgers, waiting to get, you know, the opportunity to battle with big names so you could get on the scene. So I'm like, hey, you know, if it comes to that, it comes to that. Be prepared for that. It is battle rap at the end of the day. And the main catalyst of that is aggression. So at some point, you're going to have to get aggressive if you want to win. If you just want to battle rap, then you could battle rap. Yeah. Right. Listen, like as a as a consumer, like I feel like, you know, we heard from two fire MCs in terms of y'all's position on battle raps and how you, you know, either you love it, you hate it. You, it's a, it's sort of like a double-edged sword, right? Iron sharpened the iron. I really, I really, as a consumer of hip hop, feel that notion that I, it's, it's really iron sharpened the iron. And as a listener, as an audience member, I really feel like I get more excited and I get more um, connected with the, the MC when I can see them go into a, a, a battle rap and, and staying tall, whether or not you came out and you won that battle or not. So when it comes to this place of, okay, you 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 ate me up with them bars, so now I'm gonna have to come at you. I, I'm a little bit as a consumer on the backside, like, man, this is some bullshit. Like, this is not what we came here for, right? And that's that's why we wanted to do this inquisition, right? Because rap battles, as we've heard some both of you say already. It's, it's some of the most pure form of hip hop, right? It's one of the pillars of how we even began this game in the first place. It really is where rap was created. So it really drives my energy to continue to follow artists. Um, I, as the audience member, I agree with y'all as the MCs. Like when I see people who are current, just constantly spitting bars that they wrote, and you know, it's like you two, three, you know, battles in i definitely am not really feeling you because i need to know how are you this how clever are you are you yeah, quick with it like where exactly. are you at with this so that's just sort of where i'm at as a consumer and listener of hip-hop you know I, I feel like rap battle um was not just a period of at the beginning i'm still looking for people who can spit bars off the top um and if that's not you then i'm not buying your music that's just kind of where i'm at yeah i think um I think there's two things to consider, though, especially when it comes to violence and battle rap, right? Rapping is like the only art where if you lose, that's almost like the end of your career. Like all these other and that's the reason why people take things like that seriously, right? People laugh to this day about whether or not they think 50 Cent ended Ja Rule's career. And the crazy thing about it is like any other art form, right? You can, you can paint and then be subjected in this show and you can win second place and still continue to get commissions, right? And still continue whatever. But the thing about 
the thing about hip hop, it really is like dog eat dog. So people take all, it's always serious. And that's why I'm saying like, for me personally, what makes you a really good battle rapper is literally like adding a sense of humor to it. Because you notice that by doing that, you disarm the other person and you're showing a, 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 a sense of showmanship. Like my favorite line, right, was this guy named Tech Nine from Philly. Not Tech Nine with the number nine, but Tech Nine from Philly. And he was like, you Bell Viv the ass nigga taking cases for your man Sean Poe ass nigga. Never invited, but you always want to go ass nigga. And everybody was just cracking up, right? Like it's funny. Like it's not, it's not personal enough to be like, yo, I know about your shorty and this is what we did to her. And right. Like, not, you know, and, and also it's like it's also timing, right? Because like people who are like recording songs, right? You get into a groove, you got a 16 bars going like this, but people who battle rap, it's like stanzas of like eight. And then they walk around, they do all of this, they tap their man. And I think that all of that is part of the show. Now what happens though, is that when you find out there are battle rappers who are very familiar with each other, then it becomes personal. And then once it becomes personal, again, it looks like a career ender. It's not, at that point, it's not fun, right? It's not like, it's like for them at that point, it's not that. So like, just like any pit bull who gets put in a corner, you gonna bite, bark your way out. You gonna eat your way out. And I think that that ends up happening, but I don't necessarily know if that is always the fault of, the battle rappers, I think that hip hop fans need to take accountability for how well they take care of their artists because they're so quick to throw them away. They're so quick to say like, oh, this yeah. is over. Your career is over. You're old. You're whatever. They're, they're, right. they, they throw away their heroes. No other genre does that. No other art form does that. We're the only ones who do that. And I think- That's true the fans have to take accountability for that because y'all breed people to be that way. And I'm not saying that people don't have responsibility for their own actions because they certainly do. Yeah, right. Like he said earlier, like there's aggression. Cool, it's aggression in rock music. It's aggression in a whole bunch of things. But those people, them rock fans, they still out there buying Rolling Stones t-shirts with the tongue out. They mm -hmm. gonna get money forever. If That's I talk true. to my little brother and I'm like, yeah, listen to this cool mode D track. He like, what? Exactly. Listen. Who? Right. That's me saying. That's shameful. But anyway. <laughs> Listen, let's put a pin in it right here. Let's go through the rest of this um, and move on to um, respectability politics. Yes. Um, go ahead, Steph. So, listen, I think y'all made some really great points in terms of rap battle period, right? Some of those points were when the industry gets involved, uh, the rap battle culture sort of gets watered down, right? But with that, I also tend to think, and somewhere in our, you know, we converse about this from time to time, or maybe I should say conversate, you know, for the <laughs> hip hop audience. <laughs> we talk about this from time to time in the fact that, you know, then we, I think that industry machine ushered in the respectability politics era, right? Mm -hmm. Because then it becomes, it's not just about the people in the audience. It's about, well, who's going to go mainstream? Who's going to pop? Who's going to blow up? And the folks who blow up 
are, you know, doing a little bit more radio-friendly um, songs, right? Maybe they're not the best in a rap battle situation, but they got tracks for days. They could kill a hook, and that hook is real catchy. And the next thing you know, that hook is in a TV show. Or that hook becomes a commercial. And now, you know... Um, respectability politics comes in where that person is a little bit more palatable for a larger audience. So with that, we wanted to talk about in this inquisition, did respectability politics really play a good or bad role for hip hop? Let me start with Eternal this time. Um, let's see, a good or a bad role. Um, I feel like hip hop you'll find it. The culture is different from, you know, just one aspect of the culture. You know, when people think about respectability politics and rap, they're just thinking about the rapper rapping, you know, where hip hop as a whole is a whole culture. It's fashion, you know, it's dancing, it's the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you yes. breathe, yes. the way you move in life, you know what I mean? So, the way I look at it, and it took me a while because, you know, I've been more on the purest side of hip hop, you know, where I, you know, I used to have the ideology like, man, they ain't spitting balls, fuck them. Yeah, I ain't trying to hear none of that to, to the point where it's like, all right, well, listen, I need to be able to connect with the next generation. So if this is what they they feeling is hip hop, then I right, let me jump on this level and, and show them a little bit more, see if they want to, you know, take that that red pill as opposed to that blue pill you know what i'm saying mm. so i'm like all right so let me give it a listen and then when you see these stars these stars know what hip-hop is for the most part it's just that they're choosing this because this is going to bring that so right. okay i get it every every man chooses path every woman chooses their path you know so all right that's what you're doing it you know the 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 youth is listening to you because you have this mainstream limelight. You know, you have everything that comes with that, too. So um, through you, I'm going to use you to get them over to where, like, the true hip-hop is. Mm. The whole at the whole spectrum. Not just right. the piece, but the whole spectrum. So when it comes to respectability politics, it's like, ah, right, yo, that's your man. I get it. But did you know that your man was influenced by this man right here? Mm. You know? And then we bring it back to Kumo D, right? Because Kumo Boom. D influenced a lot. Right. You can listen to a, a, a Young Thug track, for example, and then listen to a Kumo D track. Like, yo, listen. Mm. He kind of rapid, you know what I mean? Like, that cadence is kind of, like, not new. It's not brand new, yeah. you know? You know yeah. what I mean? Just pull that out the Wi-Fi, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, like it's like I always try to find a creative way to connect you know so it's like when it comes to my respectability politics when i think about it it's like okay you know the industry going to do what they do and the way i feel the industry is dying you know the industry mm. the artist the yes. industry always needed the artist to flourish but the artist is now starting to understand that so now that we understand that we cut out the middleman right that's how you get the most profit anyway yeah you right know? so when it comes to respectability politics, I'm like, all right, you know, it's there. It's dwindling, you know. It's to the point where a cat that logs into SoundCloud, buys Pro Tools, set up their studio, put their bars on record, get their people to cop it, get the numbers spiking up, right. then the industry's coming. So now you got them coming to us, you know. So what we 
we deem as respectability politics is changing it's like changing right now as we speak so it's like soon you know everything comes full circle i feel like soon it's gonna come back to where where the bar is at you know where the bar is at so you know everything else is uh you know secondary everything else is smoke and mirrors yeah what's up queen joe what you think so so when i think about respectability politics right i think about what original version of like politicians having respectability politics and that influencing hip-hop right so you think about um you you're thinking about f the police right little kim you're thinking about censors you think about people who try to clean up what people's real actual life experiences are like um and when i think about respectability politics today right we can talk about the endless commentary on uh, Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion's WAP. We could talk about so many different things, but for me, I think that respectability politics and black people in general, because hip hop is a black genre. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think about respectability and black people in general, it's it's always a fine line. I feel like we have like this weird, independent slash codependency slash whatever on it right mm. so like, we can we can start with you know i well i talk to summer about this all the time especially when i'm talking about lil kim right because i'm like people don't give her she's a she was a child star says <laughs> she was a child star like she when she came out she was not 18. no mm. she was not 18 and people were calling her all sorts of work you know age B, they just wanted to go at her for whatever people were not considering this to be a child now when britney spears came out okay and she wanted to do whatever it is that she wanted to do with her little Mm. tight outfit and her two pigtails yes i did it again whatever whatever it was she was talking about it's very similar to little kim and people protected her Mm. childhood protected her 16 year old Mm. they argued from years and years about whether or not she was still a virgin well when Mm. they did little kim she was there i'm about to throw something and so when I think about respectability politics, that's that's my start. That's my like, all right, here we go. Right. Now, as we continue to move forward, right? And this is why I'm saying we have this love-hate relationship with it. Because you can talk about, um, we can talk about, you know, at the police and everybody was mad at that black woman politician talk about we got to put censors on everything. And yep. she was talking about the church. But, but at the same time, there are a lot of black women who was like, no, she's right because the men in here are talking about women like they're sluts and hoes and bitches, and that's not it either. So somebody should put a censor on that. And that's what I'm saying. It's this weird love-hate. So to bring right. it to where we are right now with respectability politics, because I talk to especially other rappers about this and other purists about this, right? Because you'll have a lot of purists who's like, oh, he's rapping about bitches and hoes. He's rapping about drug dealing. Let's get back to positivity. And my thing is like, yo, the issue in the industry is not people rapping about bitches and hoes. It's the number of people rapping about bitches and hoes. It mm. is literally the number does not reflect the culture as, as actually what it is. Somebody who's a drug dealer who want to rap about his life 
dealing drugs is fine to me. That's your experience. Hip hop is about people voicing their experiences, their wins, their losses, their victories, right. whatever, in whatever capacity that that is. But when you have 70 people on a label talking about drug dealing, slapping hoes, and you got one person talking about going to school or talking about, you know, whatever it is, black pride, that's not actually a reflection of the culture, right? Right. To me, it gets weird because you have people in the industry or and, and I'm not talking about like the rappers, right? I'm talking about the people who are the facilitators of those things. They're playing this game where they're like, where they're promoting more of one thing, which allows people to believe that a people as a whole are this aggressive and all of you are doing all of this. Right. right. At the same time, as a consumer, you want to defend it because you're like, no, this is his real life. But then at the same time, you're like, but this is what they think about all of us. And so you're like caught in the middle and the labels know this. They yes. Know, which is why they're able to get away with it. Because no matter how many times somebody talks about drug dealing, whatever, there's going to be 100,000 people who are going to support the Migos. There's going to be, you know, 25,000 people who are going to be like, you know what? No matter what happens in life, I love Too Short. You're going to have like, it's right. going to be all these people who co-sign the individual artists without looking at the bigger picture. And I think that respectability politics, when it comes to black people, that will always be our demise. They will always be able to play that against us because they're, they use stereotypes to project respectability politics and then pay you on top of it. So right. and you don't even know you're a pawn. You have mm. Yeah, you're a pawn. You're there and you think that, yo, this is catchy. This is this. This is that. You're thinking that you're creating an art. Your friends are around you like, oh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And this lady, right. this person's going to go to jail soon. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm going to exploit them. until right. Then once you go to jail, I'm not bailing you out. You're, I'm not providing you a lawyer. You actually aren't even going to see any of the royalty checks of anything you just did. Oof. You. We only invested a hundred thousand dollars in you. By the way, which now you owe us a million. But now you're in jail. Oh, you had a preach, girl. <laughs> you can't be mad. You can't. You can't be mad at the artists who find themselves in this situation because they grab them so young. They grab yes. them from some of the most vulnerable places in the world. You know, absolutely, and hungry places. Yeah, some of the some of the craziest places, and you know they get up there and they they given their two two pieces, but even they're not allowed to be children. They're not allowed to grow. They're not allowed any of those things. Right. You know you have to protect black childhood on both fronts, right? On men and women. You take the boy who 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 killed himself by accident, who took all those pills on a plane because he was going to get caught. Juice World. Juice World oh. suicide by swallowing too many pills. It was no old head on there that's like, look, the cops gonna stop you. You might get locked up, but don't like that's a, such a teenage move to do. Like, mm -hmm. the, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're just gonna take them all. Right, right. That's a teenage move, and people mm. don't them like these are kids. These are not like adults making these grand decisions. Listen. Which, I feel like, listen, mm, Joe, you mm, you mm. are killing it. You you're bringing up so much that was the really the impetus for this 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 um episode in the first place, right? Like, I think Summer and I were really coming at this like the culture 
has been raped, wait for far too long, right? We want with this platform to be able to bring it back to the center, to center us, to center the needs of the people, to censor, not censor, to center um, the culture and all the pillars of the culture, right? Because rap is not hip hop and hip hop is not just rap, right? Mm-hmm. Man, and I, what, what I'm talking about with respectability politics, because I'm, I'm the non MC on here, right? And I'm, you know, I'm a consumer of hip hop. I'm a hip hop head. Summer, you are a, you you are a creative. It much more than I am. I'm sitting here with the the academic zero bars, zero. Oh my gosh, let's not talk about how we used to freestyle back in the day. Okay. Oh what? Listen, we got bars. <laughs> they may not rate like you know Eternal and Queen Joe, <laughs> but we got some bars. They're whack as hell. So I'll try to hear those bars, man. That's for another comedic episode further in the season. <laughs> my point being, right? If this respectability politics thing infiltrates the black people, it infiltrates hip hop culture on so many levels. From my positionality of being an educator, um, capitalism and respectability politics are like BFFs. Mm-hmm. And you know, then there's this, they're pushing out this narrative, everybody must go to school, everybody must go to college, everybody must get these jobs. And then hip hop is a billion zillion dollar business and they're pushing out the complete opposite of the culture, like what you already said, Joe, and what you already said, Ishai. The culture is so much larger than rap battles or this little slither of, you know, people, somebody on the mic spitting bars. There's, you know, what? why did graffiti come into play? What were B-boys and B-girls out here for? And, and, and how it's evolved since then. Um, this this podcast, I think, is going to talk about so many of those elements of hip hop, but respectability politics is is almost like a thorn in our side. I don't know that we'll ever not be dealing with it because of the drive, the capitalistic drive that the machine um, really contributes. Absolutely, Steph. Great, great yeah, way to sum that up. Absolutely. And you know what? There's so much more we could talk about with this, but let's just look at it like this. We've just talked about two different periods of time. We talked about, you know, the rap battles and the rap battle era, which in our minds and, you know, historically is the original or the origin place for rap. Right. Just the the on the corner, on the stoop, in in the playground, at the party battles. Right. Just displaying the skill of rap which now is an industry where the industry leaders are asking that we play this respectability politics game. And some have tried, some have failed. And at the end of the day, um, you know, bringing it all back to Stephanie's point, it's not beneficial to us educating our children and Mm -hmm. our people by playing those respectability politics games. So let's keep that top of mind but in the back of our minds and let's move forward so hip-hop started battle rap parties videos a mtv raps bet raps it's crazy we got the box booming everything is wild right hip-hop is what it is hip-hop turned hollywood um hollywood turned hip-hop and now we're in reality tv era in reality TV era, which didn't start with the real world. And we know that. 
but the idea of hip hop and reality TV directly influenced the look of hip hop, the sound mm-hmm. of hip hop, the message of hip hop. Yes. I had this joke that I was, it wasn't a joke, but I will always say to my girlfriend, because I personally hated video hoes because I'm a Les, I'm a big Les fan. I'm gonna just say it because big Les and the rest of the crew was dancing. Uh, uh, they was kicking it around. They was cute. They had on a cute outfits. They was definitely around the way girls, but they were in the video for a reason. They were hip hop. Because they were hip hop and they were elements of hip hop dance, right? Right. And then one day, the girl got on the camera and just started, or she just started, or she just started doing this. Summer. You don't know you got some practice though. It was just seen at the dinner table where she could actually do this. Like, mm-hmm. It was just a whole damn video. Like he's talking about texts and, and packs, and she's just like. <laughs> you look like you got a career there. Oh, Listen. <laughs> I learned it from the damn video. So let's talk, about, let's talk about the role that reality TV or the idea of hip hop as reality. Mm. Right? So that also, and it like I know Queen, I see Queen Joe's eyes going. <laughs> so that also plays into the respectability politics for sure. Of, right? Like hip hop is Hollywood. Well, now that it's Hollywood and on MTV, I mean you can't say nigga. Mm. I mean, good. let's 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 move into this reality TV era, but also in the back of our minds, you know, we we started talking about um, the origins of hip hop and respectability politics and how it wasn't acceptable to be a hustler, right? To be a drug dealer, to use the N-word, to be talking about bitches and hoes. But now all of a sudden, everybody wants to praise Jay-Z for starting his career at Marcy Project selling drugs. Like mm. now that is the model, right? Yes. That is being propped up as the model. To me, that is uh, another perverse version of respectability politics that has come through the machine right because now they're trying to 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 push another message which is listen this is a whole nother episode that's Mm -hmm. still not conducive to the the elevation of us as a people so whoever wants to jump in let's go has it it had a positive or negative impact what's going on i'm gonna jump in and say the most controversial thing that might be said on this show real quick I was watching this documentary and it was talking about the drugs that funded hip hop. And as much as we all, cause I agree, first of all, on a personal level, my daddy was a street pharmacist. That's how I got introduced to hip hop, you know, to that man. But my daddy was a street pharmacist. Again, we used to listen to LL Cool J, Biggie, big pun in the car, like, right. I'm like, you know, seven years old. I'm, I can I can spit you the lyrics from top to bottom. I remember waiting in the car for hours, right? Mm. Whatever. And all I'm doing, I'm listening to, to lyrics. Like I've, I have glimpses of that life. I'm adjacent to it, but I'm, really, <laughs> I, I don't want nobody to think that's my life. I would never, that's not me. I'm, I'm cool on that. But I was watching this documentary and they were saying that Hip hop made number one the the largest amount of black millionaires at a quick time out of nowhere. That's one. 
when you think about hip hop and you think about fashion, right? Well, obviously everybody gonna start with Dapper Dan who was funded by who? Drug dealers. We talk about, you know, Jay-Z even being able to have a label because honestly they turned him away. They told him he was too old. Again, funded by drug dealers. And as much as, as much as I am against the idea of poisoning your own community, it is not lost upon me that the financial or economic strides that have come because of the, the, the sacrifices, because I'm going to call them human sacrifices, because you sacrificed a bunch of people by turning people into crack babies, crack moms, all those things. The sacrifices that those people have paid with their life ended up with the first black collect large collective of millionaires right and entrepreneurs who hire other black people right and that funding came from somewhere because white people just didn't start off being like oh we love roxy and shante no, <laughs> like they saw her they figured out whatever and even was funded by a drug dealer if you look at her documentary so mm. again i just feel like when it comes to like Black people, there's this love-hate relationship because it's circumstantial, right? Is criminality really criminality? Mm. Somebody in a cage? I don't know. I don't but know. I, like, so when I think about Jay-Z, I, I respect Jay-Z from a hustler standpoint. Absolutely. Right. I could never be Jay-Z. I couldn't, I don't have the heart to make those sacrifices. Right. Listen. Girl, so two things before we go to Isha. One, I'm writing a piece in my phone right now, and Steph, I'll share it with you later. Um, it's about hip hop and the crack game being the biggest things that ever happened to the black community. I didn't say the best, and I didn't say the worst. I just said the biggest, mm. right? The, the largest event to date, right? So what you're saying, it just hits home for me. Um, and then the other thing is, oh my gosh, girl, girl, girl. How many times have we had this battle amongst each other as black people about the cracking, about people selling drugs, about whether it's right or wrong? And you saying that people being in a cage, you know, how do you gauge how they get out? You know, it's like, how are you getting out? I don't know. And and hip hop told you how they get out. Hip hop told you in the lyrics. And I remember very vividly, um, and this is a, a newer um, experience with lyrics and everybody knows I love Rock Marcy. And there was this one line, he said, um, crack tore the fam apart, but paid for my first apartment. Like, you know, I sold the drugs, but I got a place to live out of that. Listen, this isn't this the essence of hip hop and the essence of the progression of black people? We take the bullshit, right? That we are we are given through oppression, right? Through through the government's oppressive practices, which we about to have a whole this is beyond a podcast right here. Yeah. Right? This is real life shit. Yeah. We take the garbage and we make it we 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 shine, right? We create nothing. We create something out of nothing. That is the essence of hip hop. So to Joe's point, which she has said so eloquently on here a couple of times, we 
you know, we have this close relationship adjacency to <laughs> drug dealing, to violence, to aggression, but we also have this relationship with pleasing um, our oppressor or, or fitting in to society or living you know, beyond our means sometimes and keeping up with the Joneses. All of these things I think are part of um, not just coming reality. through right, coming through respectability politics, but reality TV, I think, contributed to magnifying it. I, I'm even thinking about the show. Remember making the band? Yes. Cause this is not just about right like love and hip-hop as a model for you know women against yeah, women and yeah. violence right there, then there became these shows that were contests to who can get on there you go but even a show like that to me is um, a double-edged sword because while it also provides because you can't be what you can't see right and now the community is still looking to hip-hop artists as a way to get out so mm -hmm. now you're seeing somebody like Diddy or Puffy or whatever he's called in whatever era we're talking about. They're looking at him as, listen, this is who you want to get on with. So now we're going to put you through the ringer and, and on this TV show, we're going to haze the shit out of you and mm -hmm. see if we can get you signed. So let me just stop talking and hear from Isha about how reality TV continues to contribute to all this stuff that we're talking about. Well, you know, man, I'm just first and foremost, I was just soaking in everything y'all was saying. That's why I love just being up here with y'all queens. Like we took it from hip hop to like, I was just feeling it on a personal level, you know, just how COINTELPRO did a number on us. You know, we were just talking earlier. We, we were just talking off air about snowfall and that's basically true, true events. Right. And that hit us hard. And you know, right. when it comes to talking about the drug game that they placed in there, for us to destroy ourselves and profit at the same time. Now we flipped it because that's what we do because we are creators. Absolutely. We're going to create something out of nothing. We created it into a, a, a global phenomenon. We took that bread. Of course, like I was going to piggyback off of what Queen Joe said. There was sacrifices and we, we can't forget about them. We can't forget about all the atrocities that happened because of this, this game. But the, 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 beautiful positivity that came out of it is this this art form this another something we created out of nothing you know mm -hmm. so when we come back to talking about reality tv that's just another product that they placed for monetary gain and we Real. we are just eating it up and whether we realize it or not you know maybe it's a social construct that we just want to just want to be connected, you know, just want to talk about something. We're, we're feeding into this, you know, we know a lot of us know that this is bull. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us know that, yo, come on now. This doesn't represent us as a people, you know what I mean? But it's so entertaining. So, so entertaining. I got into it every Monday night, you know? Right. And, and they create a life that you want to, the, the oppression creates a life that you want to escape from. So it makes it so palatable to want to escape with this shit. Right. And right. In the lifeline of a hip hop artist is so small that people want to be memorialized. And if being on reality television extends your career, then that's what they're going to do again. And this is why I keep saying I'm indicting the people. Mm. Respected people 
they don't they wouldn't they wouldn't exploit themselves and almost pour themselves out for longevity because that's what they're doing they're trying to stay relevant they want to be memorialized they know that it was a lot of people who came before them who nobody remembers their name to be honest would the would generation zers know who flavor flav was if it wasn't for the flavor of love they wouldn't if you tell them today about public enemy and whatever else is going on, they're like, well, wait, where do you put the two and two? Exactly. Right? And, and, and a lot of times, especially when it comes to hip hop, because it's that way, the people who are remembered are being remembered for being infamous. Some of the greatest mm. are always forgotten. And it's like, people know the trajectory. Nowadays, people are like, you know, if you're a rapper and you lasted 10 years, that's a bomb career to them. Like, that, mm. like that's like everything. And most artists don't know how to transition properly, right? We had Queen Latifah show the way. We had LL Cool J show the way. We had Will Smith show the way. Right. These are people. in FTP. Who yes. Have, right. Who have had the right people in their corners the right time, has the commitment to education, had a commitment to so many different things that the younger people just don't have. Now you got people like Lil Pump, Lil Flip, Lil whatever, and they last for one year. <laughs> right. And then they come out and they last. Or they snitch and they go to jail and then they, you know. One or the other. Like, right. One or the other. Well, let me, let me tie this up, this, this period up with this quick thought, right? And maybe it can help us transition to talking about the revolutionary resistance. Because I want to pose this as a, as a thought. I don't find fault with any one particular population um, in terms of hip hop, um, revo uh, uh, respectability politics, um, and capitalism, right? Like, we are a product of what we um, were, were shipped over here and raised up in. We are a product of our environments. But with that, though, I, I don't have a problem either with MCs because, you know, going back to our original point with, with and I'm in a rap battle and I'm listening to, you know, two MCs go at it. I'm not really listening and buying into the MC that's using flowery language and talking about sir and madam. No, no, I need all the expletives when I'm listening to hip hop because I am all of those things. We are um multi-dimensional people i i like to twerk but i also like to read i like to listen to lil uzi but i also like to listen to not beethoven but you know somebody else right chikoski chikoski okay you know my best friend summer played the violin i still rock with her back in the day so we are a lot of these things i don't think that respectability politics or capitalism should be telling me what to put away and what to put forth. I am hip hop, which is why I wear these t-shirts, by the way, that my scholarship is hip hop. I'm still smart and ratchet at the same damn time. So I, I, I find that I can also be revolutionary and still be true to who the hell I am, which is a Philly. Ishad, I'm sorry that we got you on here with basically all Philly women. So it's really tough to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to fight through the aggressive nature of a Philly woman. But you know, I, I you know, I think that this is well, why my mother told me, you know, when women speaking, let them speak and I get in where I fit in. So, you know, 
Well, Summer, go ahead and throw to the revolutionary um, resistance era, and let's hear from these two fire MCs about that period. Okay, so I just love y'all so much. Like, I just want to give a shout out to Stephanie for Isha. I'm going to give a shout out to myself for Queen Joe. Uh, we're covering, you know, NCPA. Uh, but, you know, you guys are coming with, man, we could do like 12 shows off of this. Um, so I want to push into revolutionary resistance as we bring this to a close. But I want to bring up something that Queen Joe mentioned more than twice. And the idea that hip hop itself is being persecuted and it's being persecuted as if it created this life by itself. And it didn't. Hip hop is born and raised by a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of hoods and a whole bunch of boroughs and even the industry and even reality TV, like all of these things have lent to the persona of hip hop and the idea that hip hop is universal. Stephanie, you've made it very clear. I can be this and that. I feel, and this is a personal summer statement, I feel that respectability politics is like a person, and I'll say a white person because I understand the system that respectability politics comes from. But I would even in my summerhood um, venture to say, hey, I'm not going to be dry as toast. I can't. I am not going to be like, oh, I'm having a suit today and I'm at work. You know, I got to weave in my hair. But tomorrow I might have my hair this big because yes. I love me and I could do 8,000 things because I'm a black woman. Right. And I was forced to be able to do those things. So don't be mm. mad at me. So when we talk about the revolutionary resistance, we're also talking about not just hip hop, but the consumers of hip hop. And um, Queen Joe, you've said, Isha, you've said, you know how the people are also responsible for cancel culture. The people are responsible for not giving flowers to people who are dope. So what they didn't win that rap battle. So what they didn't win that Grammy. Why are we... Uh, measuring ourselves in their system. That's the problem. So let's talk about the idea of the resistance, the war on Black America. And like we said, the war on Black America, the war on hip hop, same thing. It's real. It's our culture, right? And we've always responded to the war with resistance. But who are the models of, you know, folks that are demonstrating the resistance in your mind. How do you demonstrate the resistance? How can other people be a part of this revolutionary resistance instead of getting sucked into the mainstream idea that we gotta cancel each other out? Mm. I know that, oh, was that, was, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. But I did it on purpose. No, we need to talk <laughs> about it, you know? Um, we need to grab our our culture back. This is ours, you know. As soon as we, you know, traded, you know, the direction of our culture for monetary gain, that's a, a lot of where things are getting uh, diluted, you know. When it comes to resistance, you know, you got to stand on who you know you are, and and a lot of what's going on outside, we got to speak on, you know. Um, just like I believe the great Nina Simone said, you know. Um, the artist has to reflect the times, 
you have to reflect the times and we going through a lot of a lot of nonsense right now you know stuff that it's like yo it's been 500 years why are we still going through this you know when, when are we gonna stop this you know because we do have the power to stop this um the way well before i answer how i personally you know resist i'm going to talk about you know some of the artists that i respect for their resistance um, one of my favorite artists of all time is um Yasin Bey, most deaf, who even just stopped rhyming all together to be resistant, you know, even to the point he going to Guantanamo Bay and going through the the, the torture that the, the inmates are going through over there just to show you, like, yo, it's real over here. It's like outside of this whole bubble of rap music, you know what I'm saying? That's just one part of the culture, you know? Um, ever since Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five put out the message, yo, we've been talking about the real and it's really, really, really still going on, you know? Absolutely. Today, I respect J. Cole and, and Kendrick Lamar for speaking up, you know, about what the hell is going on. Like, To Pimp a Butterfly is one of my favorite albums mm. of this generation, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's really, really happening in our face, you know? Like, you think about Rodney King mm. and seeing that video footage. I think that was the first time I remember cops getting caught on tape doing atrocities and then you look to George Floyd you know what I mean and we just got to continue to resist because it's a whole system and the system infiltrated a lot Absolutely. and it had a 500 year head start so mm. you know when it comes to them kind of navigating and us trying to survive you know we'll do people as a whole a person a human being will do what they have to do to survive so when it comes to selling crack to the kids or whatever the case may be, you know, self-preservation is going to be the first law in, in human anatomy and in, in human survival. So when it comes to the art, we still going through it, but we don't have to go to this level of survival. You know what I'm saying? All right. When are we going to make the change? Cause now we got, we got the dollars. We have the dollars, you know right. what I'm saying? To, to form our own, our own coalition, whatever the case may be. What, what are we going to do now? Is it just going to keep being lip service? Or are we really going to be like, all right, yo, we succeeding? Right. You know what I mean? Like, we're like, and Queen Joe, I think you would agree with me on this. We are kind of sort of leaning towards being our own director of our creations, you know, being our own like content creators, being our own cutting out the middleman in every aspect True. of the word to the point where they got to come to us, you know? It's a lot of a lot of content creators speaking on this like yo listen taking it to your own hand now it's a lot more work it's a lot more work but the reward is much greater and you get to control the narrative you know you get to control the narrative so more of our people take that aspect then we will have more of our stories out you know i'm gonna leave it right there wow queen joe what you want to say babe I was going to say, uh, when I think about resistance, I think about this conversation that Nikki Giovanni had um, with people at this uh, thing, because she was explaining her thug life tattoo that she had on her arm. And she said, um, she said, I thank God for rappers, because somebody has to be the one to call a motherfucker a motherfucker and not get fired for it. And that is the Come on. And I think that 
rappers, dancers, designers, everybody in hip hop does not understand the extent of their power. And I understand the extent of your power, you can step out in authority, right? Mm. Thing about hip hop, no matter what it is, whether you uh, a breaker, whether you a DJ, whether you're a graffer, whatever, it's it's literally like an authority. I'm here. Yes. Myself, I'm here. Yeah. More people who belong to hip hop have to take that approach. I also wanted to say that, um, and again, Sierra's known for saying things that can somewhat sound offensive, and I'm I'm gonna try to connect it. No apologies necessary. Let's go. The older generation has to realize that the younger generation is also showing resistance to you. And mm. why I'm saying that is because yes, these kids might be going off the rail, but they are doing things that we could never imagine. Yes. Speak up against my father, me speak up against. Cause the thing is, it's easy to talk. It's easy to talk mess to people that you don't care about. It's different when you right. talk to people that you love and you respect and you try to defend yourself against. Yes. I through Summer about Lil Uzi because I think that people always misgenre him. And yeah. that's my generation, generations before me never thought about. If you are rapping, you are a rapper, you are hip hop. Lil Uzi said, I'm not hip hop. But I'm a wow. rapper. And you got people throwing him in the hip hop category against a Kendrick Lamar, against this. And then they have us fighting each other. Right. Young people like old heads don't understand nothing. The old heads like this ain't rap. This ain't what is this? What is that? What is that? But y'all not realizing that what these kids are doing are hip hop. In the same way that my mom was like, why are you listening to Lil' Kim? And my day was Missy. It was, uh, it was MC Light. Why would you listen to that? Is this or this who you gonna become? No, mom, I did not become Lil Kim. I still love Lil Kim. Listen, I'm Lil Kim sometimes. Look, <laughs> she was a voice for what it was that we were going through in our time. Yes. The same way that I wish my mom would have understood that is the same way that I that I feel like a lot of the older people have to understand what these kids are going through because the kids are doing something in, the, in in a really weird emo sort of way that a lot of black men would have felt uncomfortable doing in the 90s and i'm just again people are going to feel away but i'm just saying it right we yes. can talk about things like video girls right when i think about hip-hop artists from the 90s right and i think about the male rappers who are were dating women and what that looked like and who didn't claim who and all this other stuff. <laughs> Young people, they wiped up. You go in a shade room, everybody know Ari Fletcher is dating this per money bag yo and this person, and they look at them as iconic black couples and they stay together, which is wow. they write songs, love sonnets about girls. And I'm saying it to say. In the same way that we can condemn them for some of the things that we do, we can uplift them for some of the things that they have done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So resistance takes many forms, but it's all hip hop, regardless yes. of the kids, 
whether it's the adults, whether it's the people in the middle, literally the whole essence of hip hop is having that authority, being willing to stand against the grain, stand on your own too, and you gonna win or lose, but you gonna do that on your terms. And I think Absolutely. that just covers the whole thing. And I hope that older people think about that when they're addressing young people about what it is that they do. That's all I Yes, got. absolutely. Woo, you kill, you kill. Y'all are killing. This whole episode kills. But let me say this, because we about to get to this last question and I'm gonna I'm put some context on it, right? To take what you just said, Joe, about, um, was that Nikki Giovanni that made the reference? Right. Um, about loving rappers, that made me think of my days in higher education, right? Um, for the listeners who are still not familiar, this is hip hop is higher ed now because my my career has been in higher ed. I'm no longer there due to, that is my form of resistance right now, right? Because of the ways that students, the young people to Joe's point are being suppressed. It's a form of oppression and suppression. They're suppressing the voices of these young people by saying what you're doing in hip hop or what you're doing, you know, um, in these streets is not, it's not respectable, right? This is not acceptable. And my form of resistance in higher ed, I had a person who um, I worked with text me and say, listen, I know I was the DEI person um, on many campuses, the person who's supposed to bring everybody together and uplift all diversity and all of those things. But I had a person tell me in a text who worked with me, sis, you may not know this, but you are our Tupac. On this campus, you are Tupac right? Because you can relate to the young kids, but you also can go to the table and talk to the VPs and whatnot, right? But at the end of the day, you bring that same energy in every space. Um, and so that is why everything that we talked about today is sort of all connected. And we still are resisting in, in many different ways and through all these genres and elements and components of hip hop. So with all of that being said, we have to ask y'all, we ask every person who is a guest on the podcast, this show is called Hip Hop Is Higher Ed. And that is an affirmation, right? It is to tell people that hip hop is not on the margins. Hip hop is a form of education. So when you hear hip hop is higher ed, what does that mean to you? What are the sentiments that come up for you when you hear us say hip hop is higher ed? And Isha, I want you start. Oh man, I, th I think about a lot. I think about unity first and foremost. Um, you think about hip hop, you know, starting where it started again is is remnants from you know the West Indian countries and and turn it into a global phenomenon. When you look at hip hop, you know you'll see African American, you'll see Latino, you'll see Caucasian, you'll see Asian. They all rapping, right? They all rocking the, the big hoodies or the baggy jeans or the the distressed jeans. You know what I mean? That's all our culture. You know what I'm saying? So you think about unity, like how something as dope as this this genre this culture could bring so many people together you know um you think about of course resistance as we were speaking before like hey listen like nah that's not right you know you prophesying you profiting off of our people but you're still oppressing our people you're trying to suppress our our right to vote you know what i mean you you won't let us eat at the table with you you won't 
pay us the proper wage, you know, like what, what's that about? But you still want us to entertain you, you know what I'm saying? Like you think about us literally, like I remember, you know, like hip hop was never like seriously considered in academia. But look at us, look at us now. I'm getting checks off of talking about hip hop in universities. You know what I mean? Shout out to uh, rocking it and knocking it down. You know, off of just the culture of ciphering and uh, you know everything we've been doing on our on our block, just walking down the street, going to school. You know, when I when I think about hip hop as a higher ed, I think about yo, this is. You could look at hip hop and it's a microcosm of how beautiful the world could be if we didn't have all these isms, you know what I mean? Like colonialism, imperialism, racism, you know? If we just all really came together as a people, it'd be hip hop. That's love. That's look at yes, that's love. This and this. Yeah. <laughs> all right, come through Queen Joe. What is hip hop is higher ed to you? So uh, when you first said it, it made me think when I was in Black Thoughts Masterclass and he was, you know, we had to rap and we had to rhyme and all this other stuff. He's like, yeah, now rapping iambic pentameter. Yeah. Now, if you notice, this is this. And it, it's, it's one of those things because hip hop is a language and a rhythm. Right. And because people refuse to document it for so long, people act like it's all abstract and it really isn't there is a method to every madness because black people are um are are orators right we're we are orators we don't like you know now we're we're, we're trying to ride and all this other stuff but we are storytellers and those storytellers do or, or, or those stories rather do more than just entertain right we already talked about this it's strategy Right. It is it is teaching black people how to survive and assert themselves in spaces that they were never meant to be at in the first place. And so when we think about hip hop. Right. And we think about that as higher education. What? How, how, how much higher do you get than global communication? You don't. There's no there. It, 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 it supersedes. Any language barrier, any color barrier, um, any barrier, any whatever. Like you don't get you don't get any higher than that. You just don't. Right, right. So I think, um, but like I said, I think it's easy for people to think it isn't because it just had because people refuse to document it for so long. But now, just like you know, Ishad said, the fact that we're on this podcast right now, and where we're at right now, we're like we're creating legacy. Because we saw what happened when people weren't allowed to say things before then. We know what happens when you have other people write your history and we know what that looks like. So now we're at a space now where we're like, oh, uh-uh, ain't nobody going to tell my story better than you. And I don't care if I'm going down screaming saying it, but everybody after me is going to know this. And I think, again, Black people coming from such a storytelling perspective, whether we're talking about, you know, back in Africa, whether we're talking about through slavery, whether we're talking, again, and I, and I mentioned playing the dozens, right? And I mentioned that for a reason. Everything is, everything that looks new isn't new. 
right? It's, it's, it's the same thing, but we've manipulated the spaces strategy to make, to, to, to make a better way out of it. So battle rapping the dozens, right? The black people having all the rhythm, creating dances on the spots. People used to dance before death. You mean uh, it's people, look, there's a reason to all of Joe, Woo, you teaching, you are teaching. <laughs> this is higher education. This is like, you don't get any higher than that. And when you bring a bunch of people from one place to another who don't have their own language, who don't have their own history, right? Who don't have old money to rely on, who has a system that is against them. How the fuck are we surviving? How are we here? Hello, question. That if you throw anybody, any other culture, whatever, through the ringer, we have seen people die out because of diseases. We have seen people kill themselves. I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm not always the most PC person, but I'm just saying, we see people die with less. Yes. And we can yes. to move, you know, with, with what we're being given. That is higher education. You just don't get any bigger than that. Like that Boom. is what it is. Boom. Oof. Yes. I think everybody can plant right now. We just hold on yeah. right now. Yes, 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 yes. Listen, this is, this is a standing ovation without standing. Without standing. Yes. Listen, I just want to, um, on behalf of Stephanie and I, thank you both for your time, for your vulnerability, for your expertise, for your voice. Um, this is not a place where, and I mean, um, podcast world, this is not a place where we can afford to lie anymore. This is not a place where we can afford to waste airtime. This is not a place where we can um, manipulate and use forms of trickery to sell things or, you know, sell ideas. This is a place where we want to educate. Hip hop is higher education. Hip hop raised all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and so did my parents, and so did my neighbors, and so did my friends and my teachers. But hip hop is a part of our existence, our footprint, and we're not going to allow for anyone to taint or infiltrate without a fight. That's the resistance. We fighting. Mm-hmm. And guess what? 500 years, to your point, Sierra, um, look at how we turn things around. We've been doing that for years. We've been doing that for years. I do, however, challenge us all to to join forces. Like see these four boxes here? This is us joining forces. This is us sharing our ideas together. Uh, Men and women, we are sharing our ideas because we all believe in the power of this art form. So instead of fighting, and I'm talking to all the consumers of hip hop, and I'm talking to all of even those who are players in the game, instead of fighting one another, we need to lock arms and preserve this. Those who are willing, because everybody's not going to do it. And that's just, that is what it is. Uh, but locking arms to raise this up and elevate this art form is why Hip Hop is Higher Education is here. So I appreciate you so much. I think this talk was major. We're definitely going to be calling you for something else. Eternal the MC, follow him. Sierra Lambert, otherwise known as Queen Joe. Please follow her. Um, And and before we jump out of here, um, are there any final words? Well, first and foremost, thank y'all for having me. Um, 
this was important. Um, Y'all Queens is dropping a lot of gems. You know what I mean? So I like to sit back and listen because, you know, the greatest teachers are the, I mean, yeah, the greatest teachers are the greatest learners, you know? So we got to continue to learn every day. You're either learning or you're dying. So I was just sitting back and um, the the point that Queen Joe brought up about, you know, the older generation, you know, connecting to the newer generation, that's been like a bane of, you know, our existence to keep us from, you know, really improving and, and connecting as a people for generations <laughs> so you know like we really need to grasp that you know that's why i make a point you know in my my mid-30s to connect with the younger generation you know what i mean like see the good i could pull out of that so we could connect and you could see where your origin come from and now that you know your history you know how to move and, and really attack and really not make the same mistakes we made and really make progress and, and really get us to where we need to be. So, um, you know, just I did want to touch on that point about as well. How do I resist personally? I make sure to tell my authentic truth in my rhymes and be an advocate for social justice because, you know, the, the fight is not over. Like whether I'm rapping about it, whether I'm at a visual, whether I'm at a a city, you know, hall meeting or a town hall meeting, I'm going to be there. I'm going to actively be there. And then for people that are doing it as well, I'm going to connect with them and I'm going to build with them and see how we could bring our collectives together to push this message out, you know? So we got to resist and we got to stay united. Yeah. Thank you. Off of what he said, I'm going to say, uh, somebody said to me, you know, some people look at, you know, issues as an opportunity to bargain. And some people look at issues that need to be solved just because that's the right thing to do. And uh, the latter is something that I think that people need to tap into. I mm. think to take ownership of their communities. Like, again, just like Isha said, people need to take ownership of their communities. At this point, we're too old. We're too old to be like, oh, because I didn't know. Oh, because, oh, because I didn't think that they would listen because I didn't. No, 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 no. You're too old. And anybody who would consider themselves to be a lover of hip hop, right? right. Respect people who are assertive, but you're not using that. You're not doing it. And it, you need to learn how to do that as well, right? Because we're all students, regardless of whether you're a rapper or, or a consumer or whatever. We're all students. So in the same way that you can sit there and enjoy, because we indict white people for it. How you going to sit here and enjoy it and all this other stuff, but then at the same time, you know, you're exploiting us. Okay, and I feel the same way. Don't be sitting up here. I love that. I love, you up here, you know, you go to the club, you dropping it like it's hot, but you mm. can't talk to the shorty. You can't talk to the 12-year-old on your block. Right. Like, that's not hip hop mm, at all. Scary, and everybody who know hip hop ain't no scaries in here. Ain't mm. no, this ain't for the weak. So it's absolutely like, please take ownership of what it is that you feel like your community is, and you do something, no matter how small, no matter how big. Just like Isha has said, you know, myself, I try to do the same thing. I don't, you know, I, right now I'm trying to figure out the way politics work just so I can translate it to people. Just mm, yes. 111 means this. This means this. You know, everybody knows knowledge is power. And going right back to what I said 
before. We are amazing storytellers. We are amazing orators. So those of us who have, who are able to be uh, multilingual, and I don't mean mm. like Spanish, I mean like corporate world, and then where you're from, yep. if you're multilingual, you need to teach everybody else that same language to be able to protect and advocate for themselves. Because mm. if we got the same 10 people advocating for the same, you know, whatever, it doesn't have the same effect. Right. But, you know, like, the last thing I'm going to say, and uh, who was it who said it? I can't remember, but he said the best thing. He said, a king is not a king. It's not a good king isn't determined by how many people he tells what to do. A, a good king is determined by how fertile his land are and how much people are able to grow on his soil. Mm. Mm. Right. The rest of his community eats off that same land. How yes. are you? Who have you put on? Who have you helped grow? Not who commands. Who did you get money from? Who did you? Mm. That does not make you a king. That makes you a bully. Mm. So again, take ownership, and that that that's my last. That's my last thing. Isha, we gonna have to get Queen Joe on this hip hop symposium. Yeah, for um, real. Yeah. We gonna for call real. you Queen Joe. Come on, we calling you. Come down to NC. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Summer, close us out. Absolutely. Well, you know, thank you for all your time and attention. Make sure you share this podcast because you need to be talking about this in your own circles. My name is Summer Willow, and this is my beautiful co-host Stephanie Reed. We have Queen Joe, we have Eternal DMC, and we just want to remind you all to please remember in the context of this entire conversation to keep it hip hop. And we will see you next time. Peace. Peace. Thanks, guys. <laughs>